Welcome to a special episode of the ASC Podcast with John Gailey. In this episode, Sue and John are joined by the staff of AHS, Christina Benton from Coding Compliance Management, and a few of our valued patron members of the podcast. Together, they delve into the pre-conferences and share their expectations for the upcoming ASCA 2023 conference, set to kick off on Thursday in Louisville, Kentucky. Get ready for an insightful discussion on all things ASCA 2023. We do apologize for the sound quality of the recording, which was not recorded in our studios, and some of the speakers were not close to the microphone. Welcome to the ASC Podcast with John Gailey, the longest-running podcast specifically focused on the freestanding ambulatory surgery industry. We would like to thank our sponsors, Surgical Information Systems, providing cutting-edge information solutions for surgery providers, Trivalence. Trivalence offers a comprehensive next-generation ASC solution that optimizes payment and supply chain performance, enabling actionable data insights, and Ambulatory Healthcare Strategies the nation's leading regulatory and accreditation compliance resource for ambulatory surgery centers. For more information about our sponsors, please visit our website at ASCPodcast.com. Welcome to episode 188 of the ASC podcast with John Gailey for May 17th, 2023, recording live on the road at ASCA 2023 in Louisville, Kentucky. This is John Gailey. I am the host of the ASC podcast with John Gailey, and I uh, own a company called Ambitory Healthcare Strategies. We would like to remind our listeners that the ASC regulatory environment is a rapidly evolving landscape, and the material presented in this episode is based on the most current information available as of the date of the recording. As such, it is important to recognize that this information may be subject to change, and we advise all ASCs to stay up to date with the latest regulations and guidelines issued by our relevant regulatory bodies. I am so happy to be here at ASCA 2023 with a lot of my colleagues here. We've got a very distinguished panel, well, most of you are distinguished, <laughs> uh, panel of, of guests here. And uh, I just, uh, and uh, a newbie too, actually, Shane is joining us. Uh, not a newbie at all. Shane has been a long-term patron. He uh, participates in a lot of our programs here, and uh, we're, we're glad to have you here. So let's just go around the table here and have everybody speak up a little bit and introduce themselves. Lori. Oh, hi, I'm Lori, and I am uh, work with John and everybody else at the table, even Shane, and uh, I get to do a lot of the clinical um, stuff in our organization. Very modest, of course. I think all of our listeners know Lori, though. And I just did the introduction, but Sue, I know you're feeling a little bit uh, left out here. No, that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> I'm Sue Cronkite, Operations Manager for AHS and co-host of the podcast. I'm Donna Macchio. I'm a regulatory specialist for AHS. I'm pretty new to the team, but um, have been learning a lot and uh, hopefully learn more here at this conference. That's great. Hi, I'm Shane Stanford. I'm the current president for Virginia Ambulatory Surgery Association. This is my first year at ASCA. 
And Shane and I have uh, gotten to know each other very well. He's one of our regulars on our Saturday morning uh, patron session. So welcome, Shane. I'm sure you have a lot to say. We, we were just at the State Association Conference. We'll talk about it in a second, too. Go ahead, Diana. Hi, I'm Diana Powell. I'm also a regulatory specialist at AHS, and I'm an attorney. Hi, I'm Amy. I'm a regulatory specialist at AHS, and this is my first time coming to ASCA. And this is Alex Borneman, Director of Operations for AHS. I've been coming to ASCA for probably around seven years now. Is it really? Wow. It's a little insane. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and joining us shortly is uh, Christina Benton. I'll introduce her because she's walking very slowly to us, but... Uh, <laughs> Christina just fi finished a session uh, with the administration. Prancing, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so it's always great to be together. We always have so much fun together, and uh, we, we, uh, we'll do this a couple times. This one we'll try to get out in the next 24 hours <laughs> as Christina is crawling <laughs> over the table to, uh, to get to us. It's one way to do it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we are actually recording on the first day of the conference. The conference actually officially hasn't started. Uh, we had pre-conferences this morning. Um, I'm just going to ask some of our, uh, our, the people that attended those conferences, talk a little bit about their experience so far today, uh, and, uh, and I'll, I'll make some other observations. Uh, Donna, Diana, and Amy, uh, the three of you were at the uh, uh, credentialing conference. I'll start with you, Donna. What did you get out of that that you probably hadn't heard before? So the, the uh, credentialing and peer review conference was um, really, I think, credentialing 101, the basics. Yeah for people who do not have a lot of experience in that. Um, and there was an extensive conversation of peer review and of the legal pitfalls of negligent credentialing, which was pretty interesting because I think it's easy to fall into that without realizing that that's where you are, just because you've not done all of your due diligence and finding all of your documents. Um, the attorney had some real life stories to tell mm -hmm. about people who had, who had gotten caught up in that and how to avoid them. and. Um, I think there are a couple of good takeaways to just make sure that you are absolutely dotting your I's and crossing your T's so you don't end up on the bad side of that. Yeah, and I, I actually popped in for a little bit to, to watch, and I agree with you. It was, a little, uh, it was like um, that, that kind of an introductory course for people that really need to understand the whole picture. Didn't go into a lot of depth, but then again, there's, that's what conferences like our credentialing conference that we uh, is still available in recording. And actually, uh, Hot News will be re-recording re that sometime in the fall. Uh, we're working with, uh, with uh, Ann Geyer on that one right now, so that'll be a two-day. And that's going to be an in-depth conference, not, not really the same type of thing that they did here. But, uh, and we're not going to have an attorney. I thought that was something very interesting. I, I got to hear the whole attorney mm -hmm. discussion. And speaking of attorneys, I'm going to turn to Diana now. Diana is uh, one of our newest members of our team here. She is an attorney, though she doesn't like to... You know, she's not her typical attorney. I usually don't don't associate with attorneys, but Diana and I are we're actually childhood friends, believe it or not. So as an attorney, Diana, what was your takeaway? I know that you you took a lot of notes when you were going through that, and you had some specific things about medical staff bylaws that I thought were interesting. I did, and I did take a lot of notes. That's what you do. Of, nature of me. Uh, but on legal pads, by the way, it's just absolutely course. important <laughs> that a lawyer does it on legal pads. I, I jazz it up with a pink cover, though. Uh, <laughs> no, he was very, he was specific in the right ways. It was an overview of what you need to do and pay attention um, to. So he was, you know, he brought in the importance of follow your, have bylaws. Right. Make sure your bylaws are up to date. Have somebody review your bylaws. And then see if your bylaws and your procedures 
uh, line up. See mm -hmm. if what you say you're doing, you're doing. And if you're not doing it, if the what he how he said it was the real world. Yeah. If your real world doesn't reflect what's written, then change it. Right. So that it reflects what you're doing in the real world. And I thought that was actually it's simple. But it's brilliant. Well, and, and to your point, one of the things that we did at our last retreat, it was during our last retreat, where we talked about the importance of reading those medical staff bylaws every year, just like your policies and procedures. Because, uh, Laura, you and I have done a couple surveys, mock surveys, real surveys together, where we have been shocked at how far out of touch the, the medical staff buys, bylaws had become from the actual actions of the organization. And they're going to get cited for that. And those can be condition-level citations. Yeah, because the, um, the more mature your center is, the older your bylaws are. That's mm -hmm. right. And 99% of the time, you do not update them. Right. And now you've added new um, procedures, you've added new specialties, you've added new providers, and you're not following what you said you were going to do when you were just a baby center. Yeah. So that's why you have to revisit them. Right. And so what we're recommending now as a company is that, that everybody review those policies and I'm sorry, the medical staff bylaws on an annual basis just to make sure you're up to date. Amy, uh, you are a, a, a support specialist. Uh, and one of the jobs that you have often is like taking a look at, you know, credentialing files. What did you pick up? Is there anything that you picked up from this? I thought it was a really good course for somebody who maybe hasn't done credentialing before, mm -hmm. uh, especially an, you know an administrator that's new to this. She went over all of the all of the different verifications that we do, the NBDB yeah. and the AMA, and what they cover, and you know alternatives for CRNAs and uh, all that kind of stuff, which I think was really good for for somebody who maybe doesn't have that experience. Mm -hmm. um, and again, as Diana and Donna said, like the lawyer went over some really good, like things that can actually happen to your center if you're not having the proper language, if you're not covering yourself right. in your application, in your paperwork, you know, if you're not following your bylaws, if you yeah. do something to try to help a doctor out, you know, offer for them to surrender their privileges so that to avoid disciplinary action, they can turn around and sue you for that. Right. Because you're not following your your bylaws. It's interesting to say that too. One of the things, and I'm actually looking at Diana now. One of the things that was kind of interesting in that discussion is he kind of indicated, and, and again, I was only there for a brief period, so I might rely on you, Diana, that many of these lawsuits from the doctors going back to the surgery center who has taken their privileges away mm -hmm. don't succeed. Now that doesn't make it cheap, of course, but they don't succeed. Was I hearing that correctly, Donna and Diana? Yeah, the, he, and he was talking about liability and yeah. who um, who can sue whom and and, and what results you often right, got in the surgery. But that it just was underlying the importance of keeping up with what is in your bylaws. Yeah, because that made the difference for both parties. Right to understand, and especially for the surgical centers to understand that the actions that they're taking will have repercussions, so they need to have addressed that in their bylaws. Yeah. And they need to make sure that that it's up to date and that they do review it. And that's what, and he did, he said, he said yearly, and he got a lot of groans, but you know, I'm sitting there going, yes. Yeah, At least, yes, yeah. Yes, you should, my like, yes, you should do it. Right. And have somebody else, oh, the importance of having somebody else look at it. Too. Yeah, that's a good point. He really put, you know, he, he just took that home in terms of, you can't always proofread what you've already written. Because yeah. you might read it as the thing, oh, yeah, that's what we're doing, but you're not doing it. Right. So you actually need 
um, a second party to look at them and say, and actually critique it and say, what do you do? Is this how you do it? Right. Um, it's almost like an audit. <laughs> he, he did say that a lot of those lawsuits, they don't pay out to the physician, mm -hmm. but that the center spends millions just to defend themselves. So, right. yeah. so while there may not be a, you know, a financial reward at the end, it's still very costly. Yeah. But they, mm -hmm. that's, again, it could have been prevented. Right by simply reviewing your bylaws and changing them, right? which it's not hard to do. And he even talked about if it is hard to do, then you change that first, and then you change the bylaws yeah. uh, just to protect yourself and to limit that liability. Well, in addition to that, he was talking about the HCQIA legislation mm -hmm. that kind of protects the ASC and anybody giving information to the review board. Um, that may cause a bad outcome for the physician, but if the physician then sues you, but you have followed your guide, your right, bylaws, right. the plaintiff can then be responsible for, for the your legal, legal fees, fees yeah. which is additional that, protection that's a really for good, the center. I, yeah, I think that was a really good point, and it was, you know, I've been critical lately of some of the legislation that's being passed, but that one seemed to be definitely something that's helping out surgery centers. It is. So I'm going to shift gears a little bit. Um, a couple of you attended accreditation, uh, or, uh, the AAAC accreditation thing? Yes, we did. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, what did you learn from any, any Again, anything Can new or unusual? It piggybacked on what the attorney said in, in the morning one. Mm -hmm. And they talked, it at, they talked about it from the standpoint of accreditation. They mm -hmm. talked about what it, right there, policies, bylaws, like being the repeated mm -hmm. theme so that it lines up. I mean, absolutely. It's a, it, it's as if they talked to each other, but I'm not sure that they did. Again, the importance both from a legal standpoint and, and a CMS and standpoint and accreditation. And coming in and saying, we're yeah. going to look at that. We're going to look at what you're doing. So if you went to the one that we went to in the morning and mm -hmm. then you went to the one that we went to in the accreditation, you're like, yeah, see, they said, he said, make sure that they align. And they said, we're going to see if they align. Yeah. And if they're not, mm -hmm. then you have a problem. So it lined up. Lori, you... Uh, you were the moderator for the Joint Commission session. Yes. Did, was there anything interesting that came out of that session? Um, well, there was something that I didn't realize, because um, I'm not very big into the special accreditation. Oh, yeah, like spine the spine or, or, or um, total joints. Yeah. Um, and the reason those are being looked at or pursued by centers is because the payers are almost in making them do it yeah um so some of the key players are saying if you want to get paid if you want to be in our program you need to have the accreditation and then with the joint commission uh they have two things you have to be cms approved but you also be have to be accredited but you don't have to be accredited by joint commission to go through that program with joint commission oh that's interesting so, yeah, so I found that if you had triple hc accreditation right. you, you could go for the specialty through joint commission that's interesting is it the same way does anybody know if it's the same way with triple no, that would be interesting yeah. to find out and um it's every two years as opposed to your regular accreditation, which is every three which is every three years and their charge is <clears throat> three Three thousand seven hundred and fifty, I think, for totals, and four thousand for spines. Interesting. Um, and you and I talked about that uh, with the, the education committee. We had a, a meeting yesterday at the education committee, and Christine is here with us also. We had a long conversation. Lori showed up late, of course, like normal. Yeah. But Christine and I were I there for the walk. whole time. 
<laughs> so uh, actually, let's talk about that for a second, Christine. I know you uh, you just did a session, but let's start talking about education. A lot of exciting things coming up for the education uh, committee. I think uh, you know we we recognize that the attendance here is a little bit lower than it was last year. Uh, can't tell if that's because of the location not being as convenient to everybody as you know some place like Texas is or like Florida next year. I would expect to be bigger, but you know they're going to go a little bit more into the virtual world. Uh, they're doing what do they call those conference? They like two day conferences, like two afternoons in two a row. Afternoons, yeah. So there were a couple that we, uh, they asked for recommendations. Do you remember all of them? I'm putting you on the spot. Uh, you, sir, you always put me on the spot. <laughs> um, I know that we're doing... Uh, One on credentialing and peer review. Um, credentialing, um, obviously the coding is once a given. And so let's, then, let's stop at that for a second, because that you've been working on. So here's the good news and bad news. The bad news is we're not going to be in person for the winter conference anymore, but the good news is that... We're not going to be in person. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so Christina will be uh, will be working with the committee there to uh, get an agenda for a virtual credentialing conference in January of next year. I guess it's going to be the, like the first coding. week in January. Coding. coding. I'm sorry. And coding conference. Also, human resources. That was another. Yes, one I was very excited about that. Well, I brought it up. I thought it was yeah, a very that's a good, really good topic to work with. So keep an eye out for that. I'm sure there'll be more news coming out on those things. But uh, get ready. So all of your credentialers out there coders out there get ready for for that and of course while we're at it Laura uh, uh, Christina don't forget about in August 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 what 11th or 12th? it starts on the 11th yeah okay. four day uh, four day boot camp for business office management we're so excited about that and interesting so that's another segue um, uh, Shane uh, Shane and I uh, Shane is the president of the uh, Virginia uh, State Thank Association you. I'm uh, the uh, what am I called? I, well, I'm the founder. That's grandpa. what I said. Yeah, I'm a grandpa of the New York State Association. We were talking uh, during that session. You know, there was a conversation about how the states can assist the surgery centers in in uh, recruitment, um, which was uh, an interesting conversation. I, I you know, I kind of wanted to say, you know, really what it comes down to is education. You know, we've got a, the state associations have always been one of the primary sources of education, you know, for many of our centers because it's easier for people to come to a state. So you look at a state like Virginia, uh, New York to a certain degree. Who else is represented here? You're, you're in Virginia too. So, I mean, uh, North, Carolina. North Carolina. But both of those states, <laughs> but both of those states, um, <laughs> The uh, actual conference is starting in the other room. I don't know if you can hear it. Um, but, uh, but what we're trying to do is find ways to make the states more relevant. Now, you know, Virginia is unfortunately a relatively small state association, and you, you have how many members? We have 60-some-odd surgery centers in the state, but only yeah. about 30 active members. And, and that's about how many people actually show up for the conference. Yeah. And I know I got invited. I'm, unfortunately, it, yeah. it falls on some other event that I'm going to. New York, I believe. Oh, it's, <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's a tough one to move. That's a tough one to move around, but we'll, we'll work on that next year, Shane. You and I will coordinate it, but what did you get out of the state association? I know you walked around. We both had an opportunity to walk around, talk to some of the other state association people. You know, I think it's a great asset that's underutilized, the state mm -hmm. association, especially in this day and age with health care shortages, the compression of inflation, and, and uh, just the workforce in general. is a struggle for the administrators and Staff. Yeah, yeah. Um, you just uh, 
I'm looking at Christina now. You just did a presentation on uh, for the administrators, or was that just the kickoff? It was the kickoff, um, actually. It, it was a different speaker. Karen Newberry spoke okay. on the um, regulatory aspect of, of it. it. Was that the first part of it? That was uh, the first kickoff, yes. So the uh, ASCA has a uh, administrator program, development program, I think it's called Administrator Development Program, which is a, a year-long program. It kicks off here for, I think there's 16 people in the, in the cohort here. Um, who are assigned a mentor, then they go through an entire year with monthly meetings with their mentor, uh, virtually, I, I'm assuming, and uh, as well as this whole conference where they're, they're actually separated from the rest of us. They go to some of the general sessions, but for the uh, breakout sessions, they're it's separated. Simply there, it's yeah. strictly there. The mentees and if the mentors want to go, the mentors go, but it allows them opportunity to ask the questions that maybe yeah. they might not be willing to ask with those that are more versed with the ambulatory administrator role so i actually um felt last year when we did it there was only a few mentors that attended um that it's a good idea for the mentors to go because then they can hear what the mentees are being trained on or instructed with or it's not just slides um but i'm not you know i'm not uh into that <laughs> so um, I'll just speak and be a slide person, um, and hopefully they'll understand and not have to ask their mentor or anything. And they have the assignments for each right. presentation. Like homework. Yes, yeah. so yep. that's going to be interesting. Um, of course, they ran out of time with the presentation this time and said, just follow Christina tomorrow, and she'll handle the rest. So I'll be blowing and going already. You, you and Kara always work together on, on these things. It's uh, uh, you obviously uh, talk about the same topic, but from different aspects of it, totally I find it. different interesting. aspects. So yeah. That's why I went in to make sure that what she couldn't get, I'll uh, You'll be able to cover. <laughs> now, Shane, you're an actual mentor. Yes, this will be my first Tell time. me about, uh, is it your first time? So it you got to meet with your mentor? To go to all those sessions. <laughs> talk a little bit about the experience. Uh, I probably haven't had much experience yet, but. No, this is my you know, first time coming to this conference, and uh, it was an opportunity to experience to teach the leadership skills that I've learned over the years, newer administrators and or clinical directors in the roles, because I think that's a key, um, key aspect that this National Association and the state associations can be part of. Work together. I agree. And that was a big conversation that we had during the state association is how can the state associations find value added for their membership, you know, what types of benefits they can have. And most of that conversation kind of occurred after the uh, formal meeting when we were walking around and talking about what each of the state associations do. So I'm very excited about that. Of course, the podcast is working on the uh, multi-state conference in uh, June, which will, uh, we, uh, uh, Lori and uh, Sue and uh, Christina are speakers there, and we'll probably uh, ask everybody else to kind of join in every once in a while on, on that too. And I know, Shane, you've done a great job of recruiting members from your like I think half of your state association has signed up for it now. Uh, Sue and uh, uh, Alex, uh, you haven't attended anything. You just basically have been like standing around doing nothing. Yeah. yeah. Saving tables. I, can, I, can I steal your line? I just show up and look pretty now. I think you probably do a better job than I do. I show up and save the tables for. Sue's Sue had the. I was going to say Sue's had the most important job, making sure that we have a place to eat. But uh, Sue came down. Sue and Amy came down with me early, largely because I had to attend the education committee meeting yesterday. We had a nice drive. It was it was mm -hmm. fun. I say that because I didn't drive. Uh, Amy did all the driving. Um, so Sue and uh, Alex, what are you looking forward the most here? Yeah, I'm. 
I mean, I'm looking forward to a lot of the life safety um, education that they. I, I thought he was going to say the alcohol yeah. at the. Uh... <laughs> well, that's that's the that's given. I think. Um, yeah, I. I mean, personally, I need a lot of credits for for maintaining oh, for your life my safety. Yeah. Life safety. Alex um, is a NFPA certified uh, life safety expert. Yeah, we'll leave yeah. it at that. Yeah, that's, that's almost the yeah. exact title. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I need credits for that, so I'm looking forward to a couple of those and, and some new speakers, too, which is yeah. exciting. Um, I saw that it's hard one to of the, get. <laughs> yeah, one of the AAAC surveyors uh, is on the panel. I thought, I, I know him pretty well, too. I didn't know he was speaking here, so yeah. I'm sure he'll do a great job. Yeah, so I'm excited for that. How about you, Sue? Because you're just following me around right now to try to Same, keep up. Gotta go, gotta go. <laughs> I know there was a lot of, I, I was trying to look it up exactly which sessions I'm signed up for, but there was a lot of stuff about um, keeping your staff happy and recruiting new staff to help people to feel more um, fulfilled in their job, which is, I think, that that's kind of, I always find that stuff interesting, so yeah. looking forward to those. And just, of course, all the networking and seeing people that we don't see very often. Getting to see, listen to see our uh, podcast, we're always, this is always good for mm -hmm. It helps us to remember why we're doing, you know, what we're doing, like uh, missing the first 10 minutes of the uh, of the uh, conference so that we can get together for our listeners out there who haven't been able to come out. But um, I agree. And, and I think but you're right. I think as part of our content over the next year is we really have been and, and for the past year have been trying to ramp up on that the on the, the keeping people in place. And we know one of the best ways to do this, and Shane, we were talking about this in the state conference, one of the best ways to get people to stay is to make sure you give them the tools and the resources they need to be able to do this. And the state associations are stretched, you know, to be able to do that. And ASCA uh, has got so many other things going on. You know, I mean, they've got, you know, they're our advocacy group. They have the one conference a year. They have a lot of virtual conferences. But they can't hit those state-specific issues. Every single state has a unique situation. You know, Montana's got a completely different human resource issue than California does, even though they're, you know, not super far from each other. And I think that's, that's where the states really have to step in and make sure that they're educating people properly. And of course, we at the podcast have been working hard on these boot camps to be able to provide those resources for our clients and for you know the people that purchase this uh, program to be able to prepare themselves for those tough decisions. One, uh, one of the things they mentioned, Shane, during, the, during the, um, the state association meeting was how many people are getting, you know, either have no management experience when they're going into leadership or what was the other example she gave of, oh, MAs, you know, people that, that are moving up into administration that actually don't really have, you know, high-level degrees. And again, nothing against MAs. I know some MAs that could probably do a fantastic job, but they need leadership, you know, leadership training, they need education, and they need, obviously, some mentoring. And I think ASCs need to do a better job of succession planning. Yes, yes. Uh, and we have a great presentation uh, that Ann's going to be doing during the multi-state conference on that. Okay. I want to thank everybody. We're going to rush in now and listen to the jockey talk about whatever jockeys talk about. Um, but uh, we'll try to get this... Uh, Riding hard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> gonna, we can't wait to find out what the correlation... Somebody better write some notes down so that we can put that correlation in there. Uh, but uh, we'll try to record almost every day here while we're here and uh, have some fun. So let's, uh, let's uh, end the uh, interview here and we'll, uh, we'll be back with you later.
It's been a long day, and the surveyor's just left, and you are exhausted. And looking at the list of items that you have to address, you wonder, how can I deal with this and still take care of my patients? More importantly, you wonder, how can I ever keep up with all the regulations, standards, and accreditation requirements? How can I always be prepared for a survey and reduce my stress levels? Well, that's what Ambitory Healthcare Strategies does, day in, day out. We become your outsourced regulatory and accreditation resource. We can maintain your policy manual, develop your education programs, help out with fire and disaster drills, do your risk assessments, oversee your quality improvement activities, help run your quality improvement meetings and governing body meetings, and we can even prepare your monthly or quarterly financial statements and help you figure out where you are financially. We are a retainer-based service. We don't take ownership. We don't charge based on your revenue. We have one fixed monthly fee, and we can tailor your services to your exact needs. So whether you're looking for help getting over a survey, preparing for a survey, or looking for a long-term relationship to assist you with your ongoing regulatory and or financial needs, please give us a call at 585-594-1167 or email us at info at ahstrategies.com. That is info at ah-strategies.com or visit our website at ah-strategies.com. This episode of the ASC Podcast with John Gailey is sponsored by Surgical Information Systems, Trivalence, and Ambulatory Healthcare Strategies. Surgical Information Systems provides cutting-edge information solutions for surgery providers. Trivalence offers a comprehensive next-generation ASC solution that optimizes payment and supply chain performance, enabling actionable insights. Ambulatory Healthcare Strategies is the nation's leading regulatory and accreditation compliance resource for ambulatory surgery centers. For more information about our sponsors, visit our website at ASCPodcast.com. This podcast is an educational and operational tool and is not intended to be a comprehensive resource for all rules, regulations, and standards that an ambulatory surgery center must meet. The advice provided should not be considered as, nor does it constitute, legal advice or opinion. When reviewing specific situations involving legal and regulatory issues, attorneys and other professionals should be consulted. This has been a production of Eden Group Development. All rights are reserved. If you are interested in advertising or sponsoring the ASC Podcast with John Gailey, please email us at info at ASCPodcast.com. We would love to hear your questions and comments. Please email us at comments at ASCPodcast.com.